Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's. One of vodka. Half a measure of quinoa lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. I've been continuing my uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge odyssey with Killing Eve. Okay. You aware of that? I am aware of that. Fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. she's She was just the head writer for the first series, and the second series is a different head writer. But um, you can see overlaps with Fleabag in terms of tone and style of some of the comedy of it, and just the performances are out of this world. The main character, this sort of sociopath assassin woman, is... One of the best, I think, tell one of the best characters I've seen on television, probably in terms of just how unnerving and un- and unpredictable they are, and how much it toys with your feelings towards them and making you not hate them, and you, and then you hate them, and then hate them again, and then not hate them again, and you. So the sociopathic web she weaves around the people around her is also being woven around you as an audience member, where you can also fall for her techniques that characters fall for in the show often ultimately to their demise does it force you to like certain characters and then kill them well i'm not going to say that because then that would be a spoiler okay because that was my least favorite thing about game of thrones okay like i know it's force you to like well it gives you great characters that you can be like yeah i want this person to do good stuff and then it just Mm -hmm. takes that away so often well, it, it it did become a bit of a gimmick in later seasons, but I think that was all. That was also one of the its greatest strengths in its earlier seasons. I think in the first season, maybe because that's what marked it out from other TV shows that you knew any character could die. And I think in the first, and in the first, I don't think of any big character deaths that I thought, oh, that was just bad. I think all the character deaths they hurt. Well, some of them really hurt, mm. but the hurt was intentional, and it fed and enriched the story that grew out of it and what you the story didn't go where you had wanted it to go but then you you had to accommodate yourself to this bleak new reality in the same way the characters in the show are having to do every new reality of theirs was very bleak yeah and the weakness of the show in its later seasons was the fact that everyone became invincible and no one was dying among other weaknesses among other significant weaknesses yeah like without having phoebe waller bridge to do writing for them oh, phoebe waller bridge on those final seasons would have been Imagine the, the, the shift brilliant. in tone. <laughs> it was comedy <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there's lots of um, it's a bit of a tangent sam's story gets a lot more exciting out of that library everyone gets more to sort of neurotic <laughs> and sort of looking to camera and stuff Oh, imagine The Office, but Game of Thrones, where you have your talking heads. A mockumentary mockumentary in King's Landing. Of something like King's Landing. A medieval mockumentary. Has that been done? I don't think so. That feels too obvious. It feels like it's sitting just there. You just got to make the leap of, no, there's cameras there. Just deal with it. And then once you do that, (laughs) everything else falls into place. Oh. That'd be cool. We should do that. Web series. TM, TM, TM. That's ours now. Sorry, everybody. 
I thought you were. I thought the TM was like standing for something. Like how many TMs you did, and it's not just trademark, no. trademark, trademark. I'm just, I'm just triple trademarking. Okay, you trademarked the trademark of a trademark. Yeah, triple tap. So now, we, yeah, the trademark is also trademark. So yeah. to get back to our idea, you have to break through three Several trademarks. Layers. Yeah, it's like when they put a crab inside three boxes to get so an, for an octopus to. You know, have something to do in its day in order to get the crab. And it gets there in like two minutes anyway. Yeah. Those things are slippery. Yeah. But our trademarks are not like that. No. My words carry much more weight. Than an octopus slippering through things. What would it be called? Medieval office? Um, The court. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be called the court. Yeah. Although there are things like um, Norseman is a comedy show. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have in talking times. heads in Viking times. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, it just doesn't have the talking heads. But it's very inclusive of all of the people in the village. Yeah, I would love this to be. It's mostly about just the bureaucratic and administrative side of managing the a, court and the village. castle and stuff. And then you'd, you'd have to have one farmer character be involved, though, so you can get to the lower class. Yeah, yeah. and and you could sort of hint at the main plot line that's always going on in the background of battles. <laughs> then an uprising and, of some like hero who found a magical sword somewhere. Yeah, knights <laughs> coming and going and there's like the one day they're doing the jousting competition but all we see is the people like putting out the chairs and cleaning up afterwards <laughs> and stuff. And just organizing the catering and things like that. That'd be cool. I'd watch that. Have a really just sort of stressed sort of event manager there with a clipboard all day. <laughs> actual paper though yeah. you brought donkeys we need horses just all stuff like that <laughs> I'd, I, I'd probably tend to lean more towards Parks and Rec than The Office yes this is more in that yeah in that vein where it's a lot less harsh to watch because nobody is overly embarrassing yeah. yeah except maybe the king the king would be a bumbling idiot yeah, and then the lovable underling characters that run everything. So ye oldie Parks and Rec is what we're talking about. Call it ye oldie. Yeah. That's it. Just ye oldie. <laughs> the court. That works. Yeah, I can't get a better one. That's good. No, we did it. All right. So we're off to a good start today with good ideas. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Exceptional Thieves. This is a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. I'm Isaac. And welcome to the latest episode of Craigslist, <clears throat> our special series where we are watching the entire, entire filmography of the one and only Britain's Best Actor, Daniel Craig, Britain's in the best actor. lead up to No Time to Die, uh, for no reason, just because it's fun and because we are obviously massive Craig Keistadors, uh, as we presume you are as well, for listening. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you want to stay up to date, you can follow us on Twitter at Exceptional Pod or on Instagram at Exceptional Thieves or send us an email at ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com. If you are listening to us on iTunes, also drop us, give us, hit us with some of them stars and write us a review that's sort of wantonly complimentary, but compliment us on things that obviously like you wouldn't no come out known. in the podcast. You know, let's say that we look great or that... Um, Sam's cologne smells really great. How organized we are in our home life is quite impressive. Something like that. 
And if you would like some of our bonus episodes, because we are releasing almost weekly bonus episodes to cover all of Daniel Craig's television work in the lead up to No Time to Die, (laughs) some of which is very good, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash exceptional thieves and get, I think we've got, I think we've got 11 bonus episodes up there at the moment. Soon to be be, more. Yeah, I think there's like four or five more to go. Okay. No, this is fun. (laughs) This is fun. We're enjoying this. And today we're going to be talking about the adventures of Tintin, colon, secret of the unicorn in some markets. (laughs) Because it's obviously the first one of a great franchise. I mean, it still could be. It's animated. The characters aren't going to age. What's interesting, though, is you don't have to subtitle the first one of a franchise. You don't. You subtitle it in the DVD release or, like, the box set release. Yeah. Where you, everything then has a subtitle, so you, you give retroactively the subtitle yeah. it. Yeah. So, interesting. Like, A New choice. Hope was retroactively subtitled into mm, Star Wars. Good point. Good point. Great example, Isaac. Thank you, Sam. Well done. What a good We do that up. a lot of research in this, in this program. Nothing but. Mm. The amount of preparation that goes into it is unparalleled <laughs> in the world of... Conversations about Daniel Craig. Definitely. Definitely. That, that is definitely yeah. true. I've seen some interviews. Those people don't prepare. They not, find some hot goss. Not people interviewing. And then ask him about it. The same hot goss. Yeah. Insulting. It, see, Daniel's not about that goss. They know he doesn't want to talk about that. No one. Anyway, before we get to today's special film, we do have a little bit of Bond news. <gasps> Bond news. Bond news. Mm, Bond news. Okay, that's a different interpretation. A <laughs> um, few different things. So the sort of the Bond community has sort of gone through another rotation of deciding whether or not it's going to be delayed. Okay. The as um, in like the fan community or yeah, Disney because D- Disney delayed a bunch of movies. Yes. Again, Black Widow and a few other ones. Some of which I was concerned about because. At least one of them, we were only like six weeks away from when it was going to be coming out. Like under two months. Which made me worried about Bond. What was it? I forget. I think it was Black Widow. Something like that. I thought she'd been put back to next year already. Well, I don't know. It was within the next two months that they were going to be coming out. Because in my head, I was like, Bond's so close now that it's too late for them to do that. But then these ones got delayed. Everyone got worried. But then, like hours after... Disney announced those delays. The James Bond official Twitter account put a put out a, a tweet of as a picture of Dan, uh, Daniel and Anna de Armas and says, "Dressed to kill, Bond and Paloma from No Time to Die in cinemas this November." So they're still just a hundred percent all all chips in on it coming out <laughs> in November. So that's reassuring. They've already jumped off that cliff. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's happening. And it is still conflicting because we're in Australia, we're going to be able to see it safely. If it comes out in cinemas in America, that is a bad thing. Yeah, and so then if we are if we are hoping it does come out in cinemas, all the people in the US who decide to be responsible and not go to a cinema whilst the pandemic is still raging, might just flat out miss out on seeing this in the movies. Which it, sucks for them. It it does. Could you see a Bond movie at the movies? You you really do. I mean, hopefully, when if the pandemic ends, they cinemas can just do a big retrospective and re re screen all the ones that everyone missed. Like they're rescreening old films at the moment. Yeah, 
Yeah. But not many. I feel like they should be rescreening more. I went and saw Return of the Jedi the other day. Yeah, they'd like the it Return of the glorious. Jedi. Um, like some of the Star Warses, Inception was on for a bit. Mm-hmm. But put some other stuff on. I had a look at the movie times the other day. There's nothing. I I'm... think they're starting to get actual releases now. So they're pushing back on the old stuff. Yeah, but all the actual releases are the oh, ones that shit. the studios give so little of a shit about. They're like, we might as well put this out there. <laughs> I'm going to see Antebellum on the weekend, just as a joke. See what? Antebellum. Lady Antebellum, the band? No, it's a movie called Antebellum. And she's just called Lady A now because of acknowledgements of the sort of colonial era and slavery era associations of antebellum okay. which is the reasoning behind this movie title where i i don't really get i don't really know but like a woman gets transported back in time to slave times thing, and she's black and so that's like obviously a real problem so for her. so it's like that outlander but yeah it's it's outlander but oh no we're not white so it's not fun <laughs> jesus <laughs> which is point many comedians have made um, and yeah, it, it's got, it's got very poorly reviewed, but I've got a friend who wants to see it and I'm like, fuck it. I just enjoy <laughs> going to the movies, see anything at the moment. Uh, we've also gone through the, the sort of generalized consensus that Tom Hardy has been cast as James Bond has not abated <laughs> at all. <laughs> People are still posting it. Like the Daily Mail has reported, uh, it, it's, it's pretty much confirmed that Tom Hardy has been cast. No announcements were made about anything. <laughs> They're trying to bully it in. The, yeah. The Bond people will be like, well, I guess everyone says so. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We'll no, have to hire him now. <laughs> in the areas of the Bond community I am connected to online, no one's that f- hyped about that choice. It's not like, yes, at last, the people have spoken. Well, it's all, like, I'm not against it because he's a very good actor and a very capable actor and I'd like to see him do it. Mm, but too old. But... Again, yeah, he's he's not a new guy. He's not Nicholas Holt. He's like five, seven years younger than Daniel Craig. By the time his first Bond movie comes out, <laughs> or no, he'll he'll be when by when the time Daniel he Craig got a started. Bond movie out, yeah, he would be five years younger than Daniel Craig is now. I think is what I'm trying to say. So he's older than Daniel Craig was when Daniel Craig started as Bond. Yeah, so they're not going to get many movies out of him no. as a long term anyway. Well, maybe it'll be a, a George Lazenby thing. He'll just have a fun time for one go. Yeah, maybe. And we'll all move on with our lives. Yeah. And Daniel Craig will come back. Yeah, maybe they're like, <laughs> you know, we get so much hype and interest when we announce a new Bond. Let's do that more often. Let's not do it every almost 20 years like we've done now. But Henry Cavill has also thrown his name in the ring when he was being interviewed. And they said, would you want to be Bond? I said, yeah, absolutely. If they offered it to me, I would definitely do it. I don't want Henry Cavill to be Bond. Also a little bit old and too big. He's so intimidating. He's too big. And so he's great for Superman. Love him in Mission Impossible. Love him in general. But J- James Bond can't be someone who walks into a bar and everyone goes, oh, Jesus. James Bond is here. Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> he's got to be more... He needs more to be f- like like the grey man who can hide in places. He needs yeah. to, to appear like a Jason Bourne. Bond has to have a certain feline quality to his physicality. Would you agree? I, I do agree. What whereas about... Henry Cavill has more of a bulldog energy. He does. Which is great. I he mean... can reload his arms, <laughs> lest we forget. But... What about somebody like Jamie Bell? Yeah, his name's been bounced around. Oh, it's too just weedy. Doesn't have to be. I don't know. Nah, what too... about Simon Pegg as... James Bond. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ginger Bond. <laughs> never I'm done. Ginger Bond. <laughs> Bond. Ginger Bond. <laughs> Balding Ginger Bond. Back to the. I would love Simon Pegg to get the get the Dorito body for a movie and just do a bit of an Adrian Brody. Put him in a Predator movie. Oh, he's so cool. I just like Simon Pegg, but Bond, John Boyega. We are on the record. Standing John Boyega for the role. Oh, I want John Boyega for a lot of things. Before... I could watch John Boyega yell for hours and I'd enjoy it. Yeah. He's, it's good. It's, it's good, a really good yell. Good yelling. Which which is the better yell, him or Adam Driver? Because they're both very good yells. I think John Boyega's yell is a lot better. I think I, I prefer John Boyega's yell, whereas Adam Driver's, like... Furious emotion mm-hmm. comes through a lot easier, but I I, I enjoy watching John Boyega yell. Yeah, more, John Boyega, so like it's just a comfortable. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's hurting him at all. Yeah, he's just like really good at he's it. He's comfortable in that space. Oh, he's so good. I want to see yeah. him and stuff. John Boyega's yell has more emotion, but Adam Driver's yell it's sort of like there's like the noise comes from a subterranean cave somehow, mm. you know. But he can't be Bond. He's American. No, can't be Bond. And also. He's got too much going on. He's too. He's too. He's very thin whilst being too wide and tall. His nipples are very far apart. Like, and he's like, he has. He, I feel like he's taller than any room he's in. That can't be Bond. No, he needs to be able to blend. Yeah, Adam Driver, in the best, coolest way, is not like smooth or suave at all. No, he's so gonky and awkward. But, but Adam whilst Driver being would, badass, would make a really good Bond villain. Hey. So, before we get too far into this, before we see No Time to Die, we are going to have a pre-game chat, <laughs> pre-game episode, and there we, we can finally put on the record our, so we'll do our top five preferred next Bonds. Okay. We're also going to, and we'll add to that top five Bond directors. Okay. We would like <laughs> top five Bond girls, Bond villains, Bond henchmen. Yeah. And we could do, like, a- allies slash Felix Leiters. So the people who we want to play Felix Leiter next as well. Yeah, or just other people we'd like in the Bond movie who are sort of helping them out. Okay, so we're just going to recast a few different versions of Bond. Yes. Okay. And we'll also give... Again, for no reason. And again, for no reason. And we'll also give our predictions for the movie. I want to give a prediction. I think we should do list of... I would of... love to know how wrong we are. Yeah, I think we should do five things we think will happen, and then mm-hmm. five things we would really love to happen. So not that we think they will, but it would be awesome if. Yeah. Okay? Okay. It's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> Pre-game chat. Uh, On so the day I... we watch it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe end up being, we could being do that. a big day. But It's okay to have a big day. We don't have very many of those. It'll be very exciting at that point at the end. <laughs> yeah. It'll at be a relief. This thing. Yeah. Um, just going back slightly, the I've, I developed a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Because if there is anything to these Bond casting rumours, which there very well could not be, but if there were, people are saying, well, it's strange that they would have cast someone already, blah, 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 blah. They could be thinking, from the studio perspective, look, they wanted this movie out last year, so we're behind. Mm -hmm. They didn't want it to be this long between Bond movies. They probably want to get the next one out quite soon, Mm -hmm. which could be 
they might have already moved forward with, okay, well, let's get the next one lined up. Let's get our, They've especially with COVID, let's get stuff, let's get balls rolling, which is also why they are like pretty much the only movie that's holding firm with its, you know, this year release date. Everyone else is delaying and Bond is pretty, as Tenet and Bond pretty much are the only ones like, no, fuck it. We are coming out in November. <laughs> so that could indicate they've got a strong motivation to do that, which could be they want to get cracking on the next one. It which is, could mean they've already cast someone secret, secret, secret. It could be. It's a cool theory. I if like that, the theory. If that trick comes out to be true, I will feel very proud. It meant, well, I'm picturing like they release it three weeks later, announcement. This is our new bond. Yeah, they could. Yeah, you, you might want to separate those so you stretch out the publicity of each or put it all together and you have a massive, you know, bond furore for however long but that's the thing even like with the pandemic they you can't do a big sort of announcement of the actor or anything like getting everyone together to you know where he comes or in on a jet pack on or anything or, or some kind yeah wearing parachutes. a life jacket that everybody goes oh yeah he's not cool nerd. yeah no, parachutes down with a union jack thing on fire and then punches a penguin the and skulls a mark skulls a martini smashes the glass on his forehead and then screams I'd just have him meet the Queen. Just the Queen, the Queen's Christmas speech this year, while she's doing a little televised speech. And now British cinema has also <laughs> seen many trials and tribulations, but fortunately we will now get to see the chap who was Superman now <laughs> be James Bond. Chap. <laughs> he just walks through the background. <laughs> I think the Excuse qu- me, ma'am. We have to leave. I think the Queen should have to approve any James Bond. Ah, oh, she probably does, though. In the she same way, does. every whenever a prime minister is elected, their first day in office, they have to go and meet with the Queen, and she sort of like gives them the sign off, <laughs> which she has done since Winston Churchill. Imagine though, her quietly. saying no to somebody. So, oh, mm. yeah, yeah, he's a ginger. Yeah, <laughs> not about them. Kicked one out of the family already. <laughs> well, we've yeah. You know, the thing about people with red hair, they betray you. <laughs> Will you do that? They decide they want to go live in America and not spend their entire life opening opening fates and shaking hands and going, oh, yes, very interesting to boring people. <laughs> it would be the worst being in the royal family. It would be so boring. It would be awesome to be in the royal family for a bit and then fuck off. Yeah, you get your time. And then probably have your wife run for president in America later when you just get to chill in the background. <laughs> that would be brilliant. And, be and you know, be rich forever, regardless, just with branding deals, if nothing else. But <laughs> no, uh, you'd start podcasts. Prince Philip, he looks like the old one from What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What if he goes out in the sun? Have you ever seen him in the sun? Yeah. He's not allowed. He's allowed to drive, Sam. Is he? Yeah. I I think there should be a there should there should be an age when okay, now you can't drive. There should basically You just... can't fly a plane. You can't be on the Supreme Court. Oh, you can't be president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There should be an age limit for a lot of things. Not saying you can't do anything, but just the really important things. Anyway, uh, shout out to our elderly audience. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um, if you're this age, stop listening. 
<laughs> Must be this young to listen. No, that's not true. <laughs> no, everybody loves Bond. You know what else everybody loves? Also, there's more Bond news. Oh, I've got quite a lot of Bond news this week. <laughs> that, was um, a good, that, was, that was a good segue into what we're supposed to be talking okay, about. Okay, well, save it. Do it again later. Just do the exact okay. same one later. Um, there's a, a new, there's a No Time to Die podcast starting. I saw, I saw. Six episodes. I think the first episode comes out tomorrow. Also very reassuring with regards to the release date. Like they are spending lots of money on advertising at the Who moment. Who have they in, interviewed for the first one? Uh, I'm not sure who they've interviewed for the first one, but it's got interviews with all the main cast and the director. And Does that mean DC's voice is going to be on something? Daniel's on it. Do we have to review the podcast? No, we don't have to review it. <laughs> Will you listen podcast? to it? Yeah, Will I'll listen you to break, DC do some talking. Break your no podcast silence of many years? Yeah, I'll listen to Daniel Craig. Excellent. I'll listen to him do a lot of mm. things. It's called No Time to Die, colon the podcast or something. That could have been so much better. And talking about... No time to podcast. Yeah. Which is technically what we have. Oh, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. If we'd known how rushed we were going to be, <laughs> we should have just called this no time Craig's to podcast. Craigslist is a much better thing because it's not about Bond, it's about Daniel Craig. Yeah. No, if, if, if we'd called this no time to podcast, it would just be loads of James Bond fans getting annoyed. That we are not talking about Bond enough. <laughs> and we just have to compare every single film to Casino mm. Royale. And talking about talking about the end of this project, let's also consider its ongoing future. Because yeah. we do also have confirmed <laughs> Daniel's what could be Daniel's first post Bond project with the Knives Out sequel. I'm very keen to see the Knives so Out. So Ryan Johnson has confirmed he's just writing another Benoit Blanc film with just another Another adventure for our boy Daniel Craig. He can't. He hasn't thought of a title for it yet. That's my thing about what what is good about Knives Out and following Daniel Craig's character into a sequel. Yeah, is it's um, Poirot. It's yes. literally Death on the Nile. Yeah, like you, you can have your massive awesome cast, but you have one character follow mm. from the film before. Yeah, thing is though, and we'll get into it on a Knives Out episode. Now the the plot develop the plot. Conventions of Knives Out mm -hmm. are so clever and yeah. original. Can you just do that again? Can he? Because it'll be different, though. He'll do. He'll it. Like I, I have faith a, that he will do something different. He yeah. ruined Star Wars, but he'll do something different. <laughs> He's like invented a new kind of whodunit mystery. Yeah, where it's more sort of a how's done it or why done it that becomes a whodunit again. <laughs> That we are now going to want that five-dimensional plot each time, and that yeah, and maybe maybe he can. Who knows? Anyway, I have faith. I I'm optimistic. I mean, he's in he's in no rush because he can't film it any fucking time soon. So, yeah. and did you see how the Batman started filming for like one day, and Robert Pattinson <laughs> got coronavirus? Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Oh, didn't you hear sucked. about that? Yeah, it's all like the Batman has started filming. The Batman has stopped filming because <laughs> someone has coronavirus. Robert Pattinson has coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it started again at the moment without Robert Pattinson. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, I think he's fine. So but um, yeah. The and final piece, there's a YouTube channel called The Bond Experience, which I've been enjoying some of their uh, videos. Very uh, interesting interview with the costume designer for Skyfall and Spectres. It's like little Italian ladies. Like, ah, oh, the fabrics, they are the best fabrics in the world. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> but and the other reason I really bring this, um, I'm doing Italian hands there. Everyone. I'm, I'm doing probably like culturally insensitive I Italian mean, hands. We both do Italian hands through all of our conversations. They True. just don't get to watch them. Yeah, yeah. You're actually only getting like sixty percent of this conversation because we move so much. We use the space. <laughs> um, but and the other reason I bring that up is because I put on one of their videos and their intro intro music is the exact same music we've used for the first like half of these episodes. <laughs> you know, we moved to that moody music. Yeah. That the sort of down 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 the spy music. They found that free music as well. <laughs> <laughs> and thought, oh that sounds like spies. We'll put that on here. So good on you guys. No judgment. It's great music. Anyway. <laughs> all right, that's all the bond news. So that's, that's all the bond news. What uh, what was your segue from before? Just oh, we were talking about old people and I said Oh, okay. Uh, uh, oh. They don't have to be a certain age to love Bond. You also don't have to be no, a certain okay. age. Okay, pause, pause, Now we've got to try and find a way to segue into that. Segue. Um, you know, but yeah, you know, there, there, James there's, Bond has been around for a while. You know, there's and yeah, that's a great YouTube channel. There's lots of good stuff on YouTube. I tell you what, YouTube's been been around a while now, isn't it? It's not pretty. Kind of oh, an old, it? kind of an old website in a way. In in, in terms it's of websites, been fourteen years. Yeah, oh, pretty. Uh, yeah, it could be in. Uh, you know, ready ready for retirement Google's soon, like that 25. website. So old. I'm trying to help you here. So old. Yeah. So old. Anyway. <sighs> old. What could someone what could someone branch off with that? As a... The Adventures of Tintin. Oh, fuck it. All right. Yeah, so we <laughs> are talking about we've we're bang on the dot with our customary thirty minutes of pre chat. And now it's time <laughs> to talk about the Adventures of Tintin, colon, Secret of the uni- Unicorn. Pointless colon, secret of the uniform. Pointless colon. Yeah. Well, it, not if you have the subtitle. <laughs> I like because the adventures of Tintin and the <laughs> secret of the uniform. Yeah. <laughs> there's two things. There's his adventures and there's the secret. They're both in this film. All right, right off the bat. Yes. You've not seen this before. Nope, saw it for the first time the other day. How'd you go? I loved it. That's the right answer. It's a great film. It is really cool. This is a great film. The level of an- the level of animation in this movie, obviously mm-hmm. with mo- heavily motion captured, I think we've seen hardly ever o- otherwise. I think the only thing that compares to it is Avatar. Yeah, why is it that in the world of animation CGI, we have Gollum, Avatar, The Adventures of Tintin, colon, Secret of the Unicorn, and I guess maybe Rango... No, I think Rango's still on par with a lot of things that are made currently. Okay. But I, but I, nothing I see where else you're going. seems to get to this level of f- realism but whilst being heightened enough to, for my money, stay out of the uncanny valley. I'd say minimalistic caricature. Like, they're still yeah. caricatures as though they're animated as to be real human. Mm people that fit the characters that they're playing. Yeah. As though the casting was perfect. Yeah, which it's not physically. No. Because none of them none really of them look, look like... Well, there are, you can see it in the eyes, but that's that's how animation works anyway. Like, you you put a voice to eyes and you can mm-hmm. see someone's face. In it. Like, you can see Daniel Craig's face in... I can Im- I can imagine I can imagine the actor saying yeah. the, the lines that are coming out, but... Because it feels like... It feels like that person is saying these words because they mm. are, but like it's so perfectly pretty, and the big noses yeah, very... they don't look 
cartoonish. They just look like that person has a strangely large nose. Yeah, it's weird how they managed to put so much realism into it, as in you can see pores on people's skin and veins on people's hands and mm-hmm. the texture of everything and the the, li- the light the light in this movie, I think, was what I really noticed. Something about the way they depict the way each scene is lit, either by the sun or by something else, just felt so real somehow when you know that it's a, you know, a completely digitally produced image. Yeah. That, I think, is what made it really stand out. It's so you, 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 really good. Being able to put that much realistic detail on something that, you know, if it was a human, would be a nightmare without that being strange. And I think it does feel strange for a lot of people, but it didn't for me. Some people just seem to hate this kind of thing on principle. But we don't like them. No, we don't like principles. They're naysayers. And since Daniel Craig is in this, they do not sound like Craig Keistadors to me. They they don't. So based on the Tintin sort spoilers of comic ahead strips, for Tintin. spoilers ahoy for Tintin, based on the comics and sort of books by Herge, Serge, who's a a Belgian chap who drew a lot on sort of things he saw in National Geographic, sort of noir films, and then a lot of sort of Chaplin era slapstick stuff as well, which they are very faithful to in this film. And they're very faithful to the style, the, the, the visual style and the, the, just the, the the rhythm of the of the comics, as far as I can see, Spielberg talks about how the way it's the way the comics are written would just are just very inherently cinematic. They transfer very. You can easily. look at that and just see it as a film quite easily. Yeah. And I think this is something that's really benefited from waiting until this technology was ready to do it this way. Yeah, I I would I don't think the film would have the same gravitas as it would if it was animated like a 1990s Disney film. No, if it was... Which would fit the comic animation and it would still be on such of a scale and it'd be very cinematic, but it just Mm. wouldn't hit the same way that photorealistic animation Yeah, and it's weird because the comics are not realistic at all. They're very simple, clean sort of line drawings with simple color, but just sort of primary color blocks around mm. and but somehow that works so much better in this form of animation than it would if it was like a lion king or something like that because it benefits from kind of a lack of creative interpretation of the artwork you because can I, yeah because i think that those sort of 2d older disney 2d animations they can do more sort of they do more sort of flourishes and things with the way things look and being more sort of, I'm trying to think of a smarter way to say sort of woo-woo-y in the way things are I like the word. It's fantastic. Presented. <laughs> Whereas this is very sort of clean, pared down, real world. that And that makes it feel much more tactile and like it's really happening in a weird way. And yep. it, but it would feel, strangely enough, if it was in a 2D animation, it would feel very flat. Uh Uh, is that wordplay or just like a painfully obvious thing to say hard to tell sometimes and so i and so it's spielberg and peter jackson it's kind of pj's idea to pitch the motion capture approach Mm -hmm. spielberg like wanted to do the movie but i think he was stuck in that well i don't really want to do an animated movie 
And if this was real, if it's just with actors, they'll either look nothing like the characters or they'll have weird prosthetics on. Yeah. And no you one, no one will like that. You and can't. you wouldn't be able to do anywhere near the physical physicality of what they do in this in this version of it. No. And then Peter Jackson was like, hey, I did Gollum this one time. What if we just do the whole thing like Gollum? And <laughs> they sort of came up. And it's really interesting. This is kind of the only exa- the only time Spielberg's really collaborated with the directing of a film. Because this first one, he's directed it, Peter Jackson produced it, and their plan was to swap for the sequel and then see what happens with the third one. And Peter Jackson was going to direct the second one. But they, like, Peter Jackson's on set a lot of days. There's footage of them there, like, working together on directing scenes. Or if Peter Jackson was overseas, because I think he was still, he was doing something else for a while. He's video conferencing um, in to days on set and making suggestions and things. And Spielberg's talking about how they really, he, he said, it's the only time I've collaborated in this way on the directing. And he really liked it. And he said he found they really balanced each other out. Oh, that's cool. Because he could get really sort of stressed and worked up about stuff. And Peter Jackson is just always so completely calm and sedate. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's just make a cup of tea and talk about it for a while and figure out all the problems. They worked together really well, pretty much as a co-directing team. Spielberg actually says it was like we, we were like the Coen brothers or something directing this. <laughs> so, and it's in, so interesting that it's still just a Spielberg-directed movie. Um, I'm also interested to why there is no sequel. Yeah, and I can't find any clear reason for it from what I was reading. It's just sort of kept getting bumped for other things. I think once Peter Jackson ended up doing so much of The Hobbit, that probably made a difference. Mm. Because when this came out, they were still, he was still hoping to offload that onto, you know, Guillermo del Toro or someone else. Yeah. But once he got saddled with doing all of that, which he did not want to do, because you can tell because there's all those shots of him on the set just sitting alone sort of staring at a at, at a helmet or something on the ground sadly <laughs> sad um, peter jackson sad peter jackson <laughs> that's a good meme <laughs> yeah he is yeah he is like eating a sandwich on a park bench and stuff pretty much <laughs> i don't like sad peter jackson and i don't like thin peter jackson without glasses i'll say i like my i like my OG, 2001 OG, Peter Jackson. turn of the century Peter Jackson is my <laughs> preference, please. And I know it's not the healthiest one, but... He was the happiest one. Yeah, probably. You know? I want, was, I want my Peter Jackson happy. He was making his greatest piece of art. Quite possibly one of the greatest pieces of art. Yeah. Especially of our generation. Especially in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Adventures of Tintin. But yeah, with regard... And and they still say no, it's probably going to happen. Like they've been asked in interviews within the last couple of years about Tintin, and I think Jackson and Spielberg still say, yeah, we would like to. We're working on scripts, but you know, it's just just finding the time. I would love it. Yeah, I think it would, I think it would still be still be great. Be interesting to see how it hit now, because for a lot of your young audience, like young young this one will have absolutely no cultural relevancy for them. No one will have any idea what this is. I guess, Going though, back, like, enough people have seen the first one that adults will go see this. Yeah, hopefully ad- 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 adults will drive the audience for yeah. it because no kids now will have seen the show and they it's unlikely Definitely. they'll have any familiarity with this. So they'll go, oh, yeah, that weird oh, little Belgian fellow. Tintin. I love stories about journalists. <laughs> Solving ancient mysteries. Yeah. Oh well. I'll, yeah. Well, I like I like that bit. 
and I guess this is all. This was also kind of the latest attempt to sort of import wholesale kind of the Lord of the Rings team. And there was a while like movies kept sort of trying to do that where they get wet a workshop. And I just know because I kept noticing a bunch of recognizing names on the credits in like casting directors and production design. Like, oh, they were on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, like, I think they really tried for a long time to just copy paste Lord of the Rings. They tried to copy paste Lord of the Rings onto like the Golden Compass. Yeah. They you you really thought you you would have thought you were onto a winner copy pasting it onto the Hobbit, which it did commercially, but and they tried to copy paste it onto Mortal Engines, which didn't work at all. No. I guess King Kong worked. King Kong worked, but they got King because Kong they didn't it. try to do anything further. Yeah. They they made they they make a closed in story and that's it. Mm. It works. Yeah. And 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 this works. This definitely works, and it made money, and it was fine. Like, there's no real reason why it shouldn't have, um, why, why they shouldn't have got another one out of it, because it is really sort of justified. Want to go through the plot? I think so. Interesting use of Daniel Craig in this. We get another Daniel Craig villain. This and... is probably my favorite Daniel Craig villain. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but and I've 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 st- I. From our vantage point on the Daniel Craig <laughs> mythology, yeah. there are sort of two broad categories I'm seeing emerging. One of them is sort of thriller-ish erotic romps. <laughs> That's the one big category. And the other one is like boys' adventures, which including Bond in that. And then you get this and more, you sort of, and, you know, boys as in, quote unquote, you know, like in the 50s, there was, you'd have the book for boys. And it was like how to make a catapult. <laughs> like the famous five. And, and, how to make, and how to make a fire using only your own leg bones and stuff like that. And it, this, so Daniel Craig seems to be put into those and then kind of weird, very sort of sexual stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think he gets to put in the sexual stuff that much anymore that fades out over time yeah i think he escapes that in i'd say the mid 2000s yeah thankfully yeah well but interestingly one of our one of our points with dreamhouse was this would be better if there was more of a sexual component to it (laughs) i mean it's weird if daniel craig is in the story and it's not either a sort of primarily adventure story aimed towards younger people or mainly about people being overwhelmed by the sexual charisma of Daniel Craig. Those are sort of his two camps. You can categorize nearly all of his films into one of those camps, broadly speaking. But they are very broad camps. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there's no analytical currency to that observation. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so this is an adaptation of The Secret of the Unicorn and also apparently uh, The Crab with the Golden Claws. So I think most of the story is the Secret of the Unicorn, but apparently the Crab with the Golden Claws is the one where Tintin and Haddock meet. Okay. So this is sort of present they've made this one into an origin story of their meeting. And Well, yeah. the Secret of the Unicorn sounds better for an origin story than Crab with the Golden Claws. Who cares about that? What the fudge is that supposed to be? Well, that's a shiny crab. And yeah. we move on with our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tintin and the shiny crab <laughs> that found it hard to walk around due to the massive weight of his claws. 
because they were golden. So, film opens. Tintin and the valuable seafood. <laughs> so let's work through it. So it opens with you have your fun credits sort of telling you a bit about what Tintin's deal is and it's using all the sort of old style of animation. And we're like, it's a very Bond opening for Tintin. Yeah. 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 Kind we of. like that. Yes. That's Did, what we need in films. I think the main influence in this um, cinematically is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Funnily enough. Spielberg's <laughs> actually saying people would quit when Indiana Jones came out. People made fun of it, saying it was just like Tintin. <laughs> and that's how he heard about Tintin. Like, what the fuck is this thing people keep saying I've done? And then he looked at it, he's like, oh, this is great. This should be a film in 30 <laughs> years' time. And then it, and then we get of someone who looks a lot like Hergé doing a, port, a caricature of Tintin. And you never guess it looks just like the cartoon back in olden days. I like that. I that's love fun. that bit. That's so good. It's yeah. such a great way to start. Yeah, and immediately pretty overwhelmed by how good the animation is. Where people look like they have weight, mm -hmm. the weight of everything lands properly, and I think that's something that is lacking a little bit in. I guess the other big part of this conversation is Robert Zemeckis, who's sort of going on in the background of this. He sort of dominated a lot of the landscape of this type of movie, you know, with his Polar Express and his. Christmas Carol and but I feel Beowulf. as though Polar Express doesn't do or and Beowulf they don't do the same animation. It's so it feels so different. Yeah, well, I think it's 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 the same animation but worse mm. because they're using the pretty much exact same techniques. And I I have a very deep and abiding affection for Polar Express. Yes, uh, but I think I think Beowulf is a real example of you didn't get anything out of it. There's no reason for that to be motion capture. No, they could have just really. spent the same amount of money and made a massive epic film. Yeah, it, it said it just, yeah, there's a sort of a cheapness to Beowulf and a sort of lack of definition. But I guess casting what's-his-face as your lead means you can't really play Beowulf without just voicing Beowulf. Well, yeah, if you're in a weird world where you have to have Ray Winston as Beowulf... <laughs> in what 2009 or whatever it was then okay i guess we'll have to motion capture the whole thing you know imagine if they just mocap his character <laughs> we're doing an obama biopic but and i don't want to get into it but peter dinklage has to play obama but it's okay we figured it out we figured it out we're gonna mocap the whole thing okay <laughs> it won't be racist it's motion capture <laughs> would that be racist though. i guess it's more racially insensitive because you're kind of doing digital blackface aren't you yeah depends how you animated them i guess it's not let's not go too far into it why do we let's stop bringing up race <laughs> when it's not required <laughs> all right tintin um, is at a marketplace and um and there's the first man of war ship there in this glass container don't think we it, it's just by chance it's there isn't it yeah it's Ultimately. just for sale by this one guy he buys it because he loves boats and that because he's uh, a boy from the past. I just like I got a kick out of all like, that all like of that stuff. Too, man. I was like, I'm not even into boats, but watching this movie, I was like, oh, that's a cool boat. I like <laughs> how like shiny the paint on it is, and the wood just looks already tactile and stuff. Ah, uh, I, I I was weird that he didn't get to take the case it was in. They had to just take it out in his hands and carry it home. Well, loose. it's weird that the case was there. 
Like well, this guy is selling it protected in a case and then just... But the case is case not included. <laughs> no, I've got another boat at home. I've got to put it in this case. And then chap from Interpol is there and he tries to buy. He's like, oh, you don't want that ship. That'll cause you problems. And then we get Daniel Craig straight away. Apparently this character isn't the villain from the book. This is based on Saccharin himself. He's quite a minor character. So okay. they've kind of worked him up into being the the villain he is in this story well i like the way that they make him into the villain in this story yeah i think they i think i think they've invented the sort of the ancestry red. backstory as part of his motivation and that sort of thing mm. because i i love the ancestry backstory and how it intertwines with each other yeah it and works like surprisingly that, well um because it's all told through haddock's drunken memories the mm. audience immediately knows yeah, that that's Daniel Craig, but Tintin doesn't get to find out until yes later on. Yeah, and it's weird because I, I guess they have drawn him quote unquote in the way he is in the in the comic, but it's kind of cool because here we get to see play Daniel Craig playing a character that he could never play any other way. No, because this is a sort of thin, angular character. With a very sort of long horseish face. This is Bill Nye with a beard and long hair. It's yeah, it's 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 sort of evil Dumbledore. Yeah, like and Dumbledore from the back of the first. Yeah, Philosopher Dumbledore from Stone the back printing. of the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> it's, it, this is darkest timeline Dumbledore <laughs> with a black goatee, and he's, and so we actually get Daniel Craig doing a voice I don't think we've heard before. He's doing a kind of reedy. He's doing the voice of a thin man. He's doing a kind of reedy, and serpentine voice. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, we've, it's, a, it's a fresh Daniel Craig voice this late in the day. I mean, we know there's fresh Daniel Craig voices to come as well. <laughs> but God, what have we had? We've had Scottish, Northern, Irish, American, American, or well, like Chicago, I guess, technically, South Africa. And I think that's it. I mean, he tries General to do a southern Bond. accent in Infamous. And then we get... Yeah, I guess it is kind of. Yeah. But then he perfects that to the point of being beyond reproach for Knives Out. He does. That is the case. But well, we haven't got there yet. We people, haven't watched that movie yet. People make fun of him so much for that. Um, well, we, oh, we didn't mention the bloody writers of this movie. See that? Should we? So, written by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright... And Joe Cornish. Really? Yep. That's so great. I think Stephen Moffat was brought in to start it and he wrote most of it. And then he got given showrunner on Doctor Who and had to jump over there. So then Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish came in to sort of uh, finish it off. Uh, Joe Cornish, known primarily for directing Attack the Block. Great Pretty much the same year. Great Featuring film. another f future James Bond. Yeah, boy. And uh, also co-writing Ant-Man. I think that really shows through the fact that you've got three very strong writers there. Mm. That this, this script is just very clean and simple, but just effective. It just moves forward so elegantly, I think. Yeah, the amount of... of um... Exposition? Exposition never drowns. Never drowns. You get a little no. bit when you need it. And next bit comes when you need it. Yeah. Everything it's everything is just dabbled as much as you need. Mm, and because then there is a fair amount of exposition with... You've got a very complex network of MacGuffins going on here. But you follow them very simply. And also the MacGuffins are bound... Are 
wound up with the emotional journey of the characters mm -hmm. so you're not just learning about oh where's this box we've got to go oh i hope the baddie doesn't get all the boxes and then become the demon king or whatever <laughs> what are they called in justice league they're the mother boxes mother boxes yeah so I mean... that that shit just 70 million dollars he's spending on reshoots for the snyder cut henry cavill is not involved at all really <laughs> yeah i thought he said he'd be happy to come back um well apparently not anyway all right. Yeah, the, the the MacGuffin talk, it's all, as much as possible, plugged into Haddock's struggles and Haddock's sort of emotions. The depiction of alcohol addiction and coming out of alcohol addiction in the film. Surprisingly non-offensive <laughs> in the way it's... Yeah, it's ve it's quite realistic. It's interesting how much they lean on the fact that this character is overcoming alcoholism in this <laughs> children's film and very explicitly depict him making alcohol-related decisions that are good and bad and having to get his life together. But yeah, it all flows quite quite well. And we'll get into it more, the, the Haddock and Tintin relationship, because it's really a film about Haddock. Mm -hmm. Tintin... Tintin is just your window to watch this Haddock film. Yeah, Tintin is like a Forrest Gump... Tintin is already uh, an established he does not journalistic detective by this point. He's already been on several adventures. Yeah. This is the adventure we get to meet Haddock with. Yeah. And I'd love, I, I, in my head, I'd lost, I have no recollection of what Tintin's deal was. I just know he like wore colorful sweaters and had a dog. Yeah. And like sort of seemed to run a lot. Yeah. But the fact that he's a journalist. It's such a sort of effortless way to get him involved in the story. Because mm -hmm. so much of the struggle, I think, with these sorts of, you know, kid-focused kid adventure stories, it's like, why is this person even here? Why are they doing this? Why don't they just <laughs> leave? That's that's sort of the thing that kind of hangs over a lot of the, some of the Lara Croft stuff and those sorts of things where you're just figuring out what the character's motivations is to be there at all. Even if, you know, once they get involved, then they're involved. But why they were there to begin with, setting up that he wants to find the truth of the story and he just gets a kick out of solving the mysteries. Again, so much of this stuff seems sounds so obvious when you hear it, but so so many other sort of related IPs can't make that sort of initial initial jump. Yeah. Anyway, Sacrin turns up and he's trying to buy it off him and he says, Name your price. And the dude who's selling this is like, oh, let's name your price by 10 minutes. <laughs> 30 years I've been selling bric-a-brac. <laughs> I miss name your... I love the idea of name your price being a thing amongst the... I got a name your price the other day. It was brilliant. <laughs> but Tintin is like, no. And rather than just like whack him over the head with a stick and stop the whole storyline there, Sakurin lets him leave. Tintin gets at home. Gets back to his cool apartment that he lives in with, his, very cool with Snowy the dog. And then Snowy chases a cat for a little bit and breaks the model. Yeah, so the little cylinder with MacGuffin 1A slides under the slides under the dresser. Goes to the library, reads up about the, the unicorn. Which is because the these pe all these people are interested in this one unicorn ship for some reason. So he's, he's got to know. And it's the past, so he goes to one of the beautiful libraries we used to have. Don't have them anymore. Nope, nope. Nobody knows where they are. It's just we all lost track of where the libraries are. Yeah, it's not that 
one in Alexandria. Yeah. No, I mean. there's no joke there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he learns that the ship was attacked by pirates. Then the haddocks were involved. And after that, the captain haddock was like, my name is Cursed. And there's a legend that there was some sort of secret cargo. Were you a bit disappointed when it turns out the secret cargo is just treasure? No, I like treasure. I thought it was going to be, you know, the Ark of the Covenant or something. You know, it's got to be something or, a little bit... What's wrong with treasure? Yeah, but what, that's not that's just not a fun secret. Treasure, though. But I like I like the treasure that it is. Like, in my it's head... It's that he's a privateer working for the king, and he's gone and stolen pirate treasure that has then in turn been stolen from heaps of people beforehand. Mm-hmm. And he's just collated it, and he's taking it back to safety. Yeah, I guess. Just in my head, like, all those ships in those days have treasure on them. But like, everyone's got treasure. Them. So the, the reveal the that there's Pearl treasure... rarely has treasure on it. Yeah, I know. But that, yes, that's the exception that proves the rule. Oh, what okay. does that mean? I've never <laughs> known. An exception doesn't you prove say, a rule. Like no, the, an rule exception... rule is false. <laughs> in my, surely an exception literally disproves the rule. Because it can't be a rule if there's exceptions to it. When there are inceptions to it, you can't have dreams. The in- that's that's the inception that proves the rule. What does that mean? <laughs> I want a prequel to Inception where about the people who are inventing the technology, but it's just a, a horror movie where they fine-tuned the technology later on so that it in some way actually works to stabilize the person's dream enough that everyone can move around in it like it's a video game mm-hmm. but before they did that you were just you're just mashing through the sort of roiling horrors of people's like nightmares and subconsciousnesses and so i was very surprised in inception when they didn't do a nightmare scenario happen yeah like it's not mentioned at all inception is dreams but it's just an action movie yeah, and there's little hints of how scary it could be when all the people are looking at them, and when Mole like comes out of nowhere. So and just when you go into their limbo area, that could be anything. Yeah, it's only not just a nice, quiet beach city. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's That's... the human mind, mate. That's not what it looks like. So yeah, Inception, but nightmares. That's what it's called. Inception, but nightmares. But nightmares. Colon, but, but nightmares. nightmares. Nightmares about butts. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, it, what is a nightmare is subjective, ultimately. And only a true haddock will discover the secret of the unicorn. Goes back home. It's only bloody... The ship's only bloody disappeared. And so he goes to Marlin Spike Hall, where he knows Saccharin lives. Saccharin said that he's just... when In the first meeting, Saccharin says, I've just... Um, Attained or just purchased Marlin's bike hall? Goes there, he sees the Haddock coat of arms. He's like, oh, this is where Haddocks were. And uh, Snowy de-escalates the big angry dog, which is very cute and fun. They break in, he finds the boat, Butler clonks him on the head. Then he figures out that there's two ships. So he thinks he's found his ship, but actually it's not broken in the way like the way his one was, so there's two ships. This is the first time... One of my favourite things happens, which is Tintin just sort of monologues about the plot and the mystery 
as if he's not in the presence of the bad guys and as if he's not in the story himself. Yeah. He's he's just not looking at them because but why would they make two? He's Maybe. doing it in the monologue, but it's yeah. outer. <laughs> just just Sackwin just standing there just looking at him with his arms crossed basically. Are you you good? Yeah. Are these uh, do you ever think inside your head? They don't normally do this. What do I do? <laughs> He's weirdly acting like we're not here. Did you know that thoughts can be silent? Yeah. And that's when Sakuin says a bit more about Haddock, who was a, says it was a drunk and a failure, and he bequeathed his failure to his sons. And then the butler show, shows him out. They're still very civil to Tintin, which I like, After you know. clonking him over the head with a These people bat. don't go immediately to murder and violence. No you got to hide that aspect of your life, even with people who've broken into your home. Yeah, they could just call the police at this point. Could do. He has broken the law. Um, and then and the butler's kind of enigmatic. Like, well, I hope you find the peace. Because something, the things can be lost. And, you know, just, you know, look, look out out there, don't you know? Did you... Just whilst m- closely... Did you immediately take that to mean that the butler was a good guy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because... You know, workers of the world unite. Exactly. Journalists, butlers. Yeah. Yeah, journalists. Drunk ships, captains. Yes. We have to, you know, don't let, don't let the bastards get you down. Do you feel, did you feel like there should be something like his name is Saccharin, like sugar should have come into this plot line somehow? Nope. I, want, I wanted there to be, like he should be just eating cakes all the time or something. <laughs> You know, so as like a, should just be eating fish all the time. As like a Bond villain trait. Or he owns a, a candy company. I don't know. It's probably too obvious. But just the fact that his name is Saccharin, I couldn't really get over. <laughs> I felt like that should be something. Anyway, they get home and someone's ransacked his apartment. And uh, and Snowy has a sniff around and he he finds the scroll. Everything just looks so great. Everything in this looks like you wanna. You feel like you wanna touch it, you know. Yeah. Big... The the ting that the scrolls make every time he gets those little canisters is yep. so it's satisfying. It just sounds like thin metal. Big the big like chunky flashlight he's got mm. just looks so much more fun to use than modern day flashlights. <laughs> you can still purchase a, a mag light like a big one. Yeah. But it, it still wouldn't it's be It's also same. a pointless purchase at this point. You don't really need it. Except for the apocalypse. Well, you, yeah. If you want to see something really far away. Yeah. And, and or hit somebody over the head with your flashlight and not break it. Yes. Did you see that he goes into the apartment holding the flashlight the wrong way around? So he's got the handle face down in case he has to clonk someone. <laughs> like the torch is just shining over his shoulder when he goes in. That's like, cool. And then he brings it down. Because Tintin ain't no, he, Tintin, he knows what he's he ain't doing. A bitch. Yeah, he knows what's up. He's you know, this isn't he's, his he's first rodeo. Yeah. This is not his first unicorn sighting. He's been. Yeah. <laughs> this is not his first colon unicorn mystery. He's been <laughs> ruffling feathers for a minute. I mean, before this point, crabs had golden hands. Crabs have had golden claws. There's probably pelicans with aluminium legs. Great brass hens. Yes, um, probably like. Pandas with heads made of boron, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, secret of the Tintin and the uranium rod. <laughs> Tin, yeah, Tintin. Should I be holding this? No, no. <laughs> Tintin goes to Chernobyl. 
Um, <laughs> Chintin takes Chernobyl. Yeah, that's why it looks so funny. <laughs> why is your head a perfect circle? And that's, that's also why why Snowy has super intelligence. <laughs> Worked the other way for him. So there's a scroll inside the metal thing that Tintin finds under the cabinet. Yes. He reads it. It's a poem. Poem. About a ship called the Unicorn. Three brothers joined. Three unicorns. It's not very good. Three unicorns in company sailing in the noonday sun will speak. For it is from the light that light will dawn and then shine for the eagle's cross. Having seen the film, I don't really get it. Yep. There's three brothers. Who's the third one? Yep. The third one. Who are any of the brothers? They're Haddocks. They were the brothers of the original Haddock dude. The sons of the original Haddock dude. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's why there are three boats. Spoiler alert for part we haven't got up to yet. Three boats. And then Noonday Sun is like if you hold all the scrolls up, then you get the coordinates, isn't it? Or something like that. Yep. Anyway. Again, if you lost track of all the MacGuffins, you're still having a good time here. You are, because it explains it several times when he finds another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that is really apparent and becomes more so when it's an action movie is how much it feels like a Spielberg film. It f- it's fun. Because he, he is able to, because he's there on the motion capture stage, he's able to set up his shots and plan his shots in the way he would in a physical set. And so he's, the just the way the camera mo- moves around, I, th- I think that's the other thing this film was able to do is it knows the camera can do anything but it doesn't go it doesn't get carried away with that it doesn't go beyond the realms of realism yeah like everything in this film could technically have been filmed and has done Kind, we've seen yeah, almost we've seen pirates of the caribbean movies that do pretty much everything in this film yeah but yeah and there's they a few... put a real person in there yeah and there's things you could have done but you just you'd have had to cut with do cuts in shot where the camera moves through things like it wouldn't have fit through yes. or goes under things. But it just it just does that a little bit to take advantage of the fact that you can, mm. but doesn't draw loads of attention to, hey, remember how this is all digital? So you visually, you are able to settle into the fact that, no, I'm watching something that was filmed with a camera in this actual space because your, your brain is able to run that normal track of when you're watching a live action film but you just get all the extra juice and energy of the fact that it's all heightened colors and all the all the props look like you, you know, you wish they did in real life. But they don't. They don't. Mm. You know how like cartoon sandwiches always look better than real sandwiches and you wish you could eat them? I just like sandwiches. Well, yeah, I'm not saying I don't like real sandwiches, but sometimes cartoon food does this make sense? Cartoon food looks really edible in the but in the same way you sometimes want to eat soap or a candle. I can honestly say I've never wanted to eat soap or a candle. But but you, do you know what I'm saying? I know that cartoon food does yes look delicious. Do, do, like somehow that's the same part of the brain firing. I don't think eating soap or a candle is any part of someone's brain. Okay, well, I th- I think it is. Okay, that's fine. I mean, I wouldn't, but there's you a little part of have. your brain that you were a child up. at one stage. Yeah, I know, but I wasn't a fucking idiot. I've eaten grass, man. Can't believe you were just giving me shit for wanting to eat a candle. 
but you've seen... I think you eating grass has come up on this podcast before. Probably. Candles are lit on fire. Why yeah, do you not, want to not eat when what's on they're fire? on fire. Just there's but a, you've seen fire soaps, on that Soaps more so, especially some of the modern fancy soaps. There are some there's very a, fancy soaps that look like mint ice cream. Yes. Yeah, there's a crumbly sort of it looks like juicy this, tactility this could just be to chocolate them. right now. Yeah. I could be holding chocolate. How do I know this isn't chocolate? Yeah, in the same way anything can be a cake now. All know? soaps could be chocolate. All soaps could be chocolate and all candles could be cartoons. So these all <laughs> this all works together. Tintin, but a cake. This all this all works. In this photorealistic Tintin, but a cake. In this essay, I will anyway. Then the Interpol agent comes back and then there's gunfire outside. And he gets shot. And Tintin has a gun. Yeah, he and does. And a great little small gun as well. Yeah. Obviously just for self-defense. Nothing crazy. Um, cool choice to give him a gun. Because really cool. Because could have been like, oh, no, I don't believe in guns. Like a square. He could have been MacGyver, but he's not. Yeah, he's or Tintin. Doctor Who, Batman type. He's like, no, I'm going to have a gun. <laughs> Look at these situations the I keep getting into. The other guys always have guns. Why would I not have... Like, I'm not going to go crazy, but I'm going to have a gun. I'm going to shoot mostly engines and things that I could dis- dis- disrupt yeah. with my bullets. Yeah, but I'm going to, I'm still, I don't want to put my bullets inside people. Yeah, I'm a cool journalist, so I need to be packing some heat. <laughs> some cool, like, child-appropriate heat. Isn't he, like, 14 in the books or something? No, I don't some think so. Think he's, I think he's younger in some of them, but I think in this he's... In older. this, I'd say he's like 18, 19. Okay. Because he's not yeah. at school. He lives on his own. Yeah, but it's olden times where 18, 19 was what is now 27. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost turn up. Yeah. I was watching some of the behind the scenes, and it's a lot of fun getting to see Nick Frost talk to Daniel Craig on set. Oh. You can't even hear what they're saying, but just getting a moment, just knowing that happened. Growing like out, that. they definitely grow out. Could Nick they, Frost is so cool. Could they be a buddy, like a, a buddy cop movie? Buddy cop movie with Simon Pegg as the villain, who Nick Frost used to be best friends with in the past. Oh, but then Daniel Craig betrays him, and they have to become best friends again. Yes, yeah. Daniel Craig. They were all childhood best friends. It's a murder mystery. They're the famous five. The famous five. Let's just do the famous five, but grown up. And it's Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Isn't there's two girls, aren't there? Surely. No, because the, there's George. The famous five was two dudes, two girls, and a dog. The dog counts in the five. I'm pretty sure that's what their famous five was. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to look it up. No, I'm. I'm. I'm okay. pretty solid about it. Okay, so oh, well, this doesn't work for us at all then. But it doesn't have to be the famous five. It's just that they were a group of childhood mystery solvers. Okay, so this is a previously undocumented yeah. group of childhood mystery solvers. Childhood mystery solvers that, who had a falling out. When did the famous five start? In like the thirties or the forties? Yeah. Let them have been famous child mystery solvers then, and then yeah. they've grown up, and like the sixties and seventies have started, and they're all disillusioned and just taking acid, and then. <laughs> And then they have to like get the band back together to solve one more mystery. Yeah, the assassination of a president. 
and they and at the end they pull someone's mask off and it was smugglers all along. It was Nixon all along. It was normally smugglers. You'll see. My memories of Famous Five is it was usually smugglers in the end. <laughs> like there used to be a lot more smuggling back then. I mean, yeah. And like lighting candles on cliffs by the ocean to let people know stuff. God, it was fun. Anyway, and Thompson and Thompson, they both wear bowler hats and look the same. And the Interpol guy marks out a code in his own blood on the newspaper that gives him the name Caribujan, which is the ship that the bad is going to be on. I like the, the um, I don't know if it happens here, but Thompson and Thompson argue about which one is the other one's assistant. Yeah. I also just love Thompson and Thompson, just as character names in general. That yeah. is so good. And that they look the same, but they're not the same. Yeah. Almost completely unnecessary to the plot of this film. Yeah, but they're not they necessarily show up the plot right of any, at the anything, end. I, I guess assume. You need them because you do need the sort of over, the, overarching the architecture law. of law enforcement to some degree for Tintin to call them in at some point <laughs> and be like, I've done everything for you, lads. And they fall and they fall down the stairs and there's always a half price sale on bowler hats when they're they're at, they're in the marketplace at the beginning as well and they're looking they're both they're holding up one newspaper between them looking through cut out eye holes yeah and um the newspaper's upside down <laughs> lots of little details like that they're hot on the tail of a pickpocket yeah we didn't mention the pickpocket who we, you don't really need either but i'm okay with it the only the only way it comes i i like that he's in there i was waiting for him to be more consequential because yeah, he's at the beginning we didn't mention he's in the marketplace stealing stuff but mm-hmm. snowy notices but Tintin is just what an idiot. He's got a he's gun. Just, he doesn't care. He's just worried about his his model boats and stuff rather than crime. And <laughs> and there's a fun and they they chase the the pickpocket and they they do the thing where he tries to steal one of their wallets and they've got it on a boingy string. And so there's a sort of a fight back and forth up and down the street as and they are also losing the the, the parchment or the scroll or something at this point. Um, this is when Tintin's wallet Oh, yeah, stolen. they steal Tintin's wallet and that has the scroll in it. Yes. So he's like, damn it. Yeah. And, and then so. he gets kidnapped. As you do if you're a journalist. But you yeah. know what they don't take off you if you get kidnapped? Your gun. Your small gun. Well, it's small. Yeah, he hides that in a very nice, safe place. Maybe it's on the old inner thigh. Between the cheeks. Yeah. Um, then there's a little action sequence of Snowy getting to the ship as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. They could have just kidnapped Snowy with him. Could have. And you'd have bought it visually, even though it makes no sense. But you get to have a fantastical dog chase. Yeah. Snowy is very intelligent and he like, borderline talks in the comic strip. And he has sort of thought bubbles and stuff. Okay. Um, and it's. Kind and of questionable whether physical thought bubbles they actually appear. Yeah, that's that's how it works. <laughs> it's a three dimensional thought bubble, and so they can sort of quasi talk. But in this, I think it's good they just make him clearly. Another thing that wouldn't that can only work in this this form of the film to have Snowy be doing what he's yeah, doing. You'd have Snowy in, in, in an actual emoting. live action one. You would have Snowy either. BCGI or Which would played by a good. dog that they fake it. 
because you know they're gonna you just have to see actors stroking nothing and it never yeah never works did you so you saw this in the in the cinemas uh-huh so did you see it in 3d no oh okay i don't like going to the movies in 3d i've never liked it but i could see parts of this where I, it would I have been cool i forced myself to see some movies like on purpose in yeah. 3d like avatar obviously yeah the ship fight would have been cool in 3d the ship fight would have been cool in 3d Ship fights kind of get vicious and malicious. The henchmen do search Tintin when he's on the ship, but still, does it, do you remember where his gun is? Because they physically search him, so they're I looking for the scroll. Between the cheeks. Okay. They, they yeah, they, they, okay. Yeah. Sequin comes in and questions him and reveals he's got a sword inside his staff. So cool. Holding, villain. holding the sword up to let someone else grab the sheath off and just whipping it out. Definite villain. Just whipping it out and then <laughs> they're like we'll find that that scroll and they block him and they leave him alone in that room and he basically very artfully escapes so he blocks the door he's trying to figure out a way to get out the henchmen use dynamite to open it i think one of those henchmen is Mackenzie crook as well gareth from the office with a one-eyed one from parts of the caribbean i like that actor yeah got a Got a, he's, yeah, he's got a voice for voice acting. <laughs> he's got a face for voice acting. He's got a face for voice acting. <laughs> no, he's got a face made for the screen. So much character. And, and I, and yeah, this is all good. There's, there's not much to say about it, is there? No, there's no negatives to say about anything that happens. I don't really it's, have it's, any negatives to say. So it's rather just than, you know, fun. we just, you just, plot sort of, just plot the whole thing. You're just saying what happens. And they think they're getting shot at, but it's just loads of champagne corks popping out. Uh, which is also funny. And so Timpton escapes and into the window of Captain Haddock's Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Where it turns out Haddock's been locked for weeks. Yeah. Well, he's naught but whiskey. He's thought he's been locked. (laughs) But then Timpton opens the door. Oh, well, I assumed it was locked. And Andy, so Andy Circus again, looks nothing like Andy Circus. basically sounds nothing like Andy Circus. You can tell it is him, but, and I can't see, I can't even see it in any of their, I can't see the original actors in the physicality of any of them. The you can tell it's based on a real life human body. Daniel Craig, because I know Daniel Craig could do that, walk like that. But it, the body type is so different yes. from Daniel Craig that I can't see it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, Andy Circus is Captain Hatton. And he does great. The actors are making a point in one of the things I read about how strangely physical this job was. And there was well, motion captures. There's so much sort of slapstick comedy and falling and jumping and yelling and things. It was quite exhausting, even though you were going then just into this warehouse each day. It would be so much were, fun though. Yeah, once you once you got used to it, yeah. a real yeah work of imagination. And Captain Haggard gives some of his backstory about how he's the last of the Haddocks and he's forgotten the story of the ship, which is which Sacrin needs to find out. That's why he's still alive because Sacrin needs to know where the where the ship's treasure is. Yep, and only a true Haddock will be able to discover the secret of the, of the unicorn. Tintin does more, of, puts more of it together, and he figures out there's three ships. So now they've got two of them with two scrolls, kind of. Or there's it's two got, scrolls in there somewhere. Two of them exist at the moment, and there mm. are two scrolls known. Yeah. To Tintin at the moment. Yeah. 
There's the, and this is all entirely just as a joke. They have to find a key um, to open a particular door, which reveals is just the door to where all the whiskey is. But it takes them <laughs> ages to get this key. And I like this. They go into the quarters of the crew and they're like sliding 10 feet back and forth as the ship <laughs> rolled back and forth. And I saw this. They had built a rigged set that is physically tipping backwards and forwards that the actors are standing on. Oh, that's awesome. As they act the scene out. So they, they're, the weight of their bodies is as it Realistic, would be yeah. in, that, in that moment. <laughs> There's a guy who has no eyelids. And here's, here's a fun joke. He goes, steer clear of Mr. Glitch. He got sacked as a shepherd due to his animal husbandry. <laughs> so they're saying one of these characters fucks sheep, so watch out for him. I like that. They're just sort of writing it so kids won't pick up on that, will they? And we finally get a flaw in Snowy's character because he goes for the sandwich instead of the keys. See, even the dog is three-dimensional. <laughs> And it gets his, gets his alcohol. Tintin sends out a secret message from the radio room. He figures out they're going to Bagar in Morocco. And he sends out a Morse code message, which we find out later is to Thompson and Thompson. He, and that's where the third ship is. Fun gunfight. They escape in the lifeboat. They accidentally had put out two lifeboats and they steer the big ship to destroy one of the lifeboats, but it's not the one they're in. Hurrah! Saccharin then sends a seaplane to find them. Yes. So yes. now they're out in the middle of the ocean. They're At this point, along. though, is when they, before the seaplane comes, is when Thompson and Thompson, we get a Thompson and Thompson scene of them finding the wallet thief. Uh, yes. So there's so they're, they're in the ocean for a little while. We've figured out more that um, my memory isn't what it used to be. What did it used to be? Forgotten. <laughs> the comedy is so sort of broad. And so different. It's very old school. Like yes, it's very. What's what's non-modern? <laughs> you know, unmodern. It's it's not old timey. It's not abstract, as in Monty Python type comedy, but it's very BBC sitcom comedy. Yeah, it's the kind of comedy which I think it's so different from a current discourse and the kind of jokes people make now it's going to become progressively harder for people to go back and write this style of i think like you're laughing at it and you're surprised that you're laughing at it because you've gained the impression that comedy has to be something more sort of complex and fancy rather than these more sort of just you know what's funny people falling over it's funny It'll never not be funny. Someone picks something up, puts it over their shoulder, turns around and knocks someone out without realising. It's funny. <laughs> um, Haddock yeah. does just that with oars in this scene. Yes, and then later with a bazooka. <laughs> then Thompson Thompson find the pickpocket kleptomaniac. Oh, that's when they're arguing about who's his who's sidekick. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they get the scroll back. Is that what happens there? Yeah, they get Tintin's wallet. For some reason, out of a room full of thousands of wallets. And I enjoy that they're just arguing while the guy just confesses himself. I can't help it. I just like them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The kleptomaniac could have, like, 
he could have pickpocketed saccharin at the end or something to help the goodies. Could have. You know? I mean, you don't need it, but just... You don't need it because he's in jail. They just made such a big deal out of, oh, look at this pickpocket guy. Always pickpocketing. And pickpocketing is so just... Well, he's got a cool name, though. Because they give him an actual name. Oh, yeah. Aristides Silk. They make a big deal of the famous pickpocketer. The other thing that's refreshing about this is, in a way, how sort of small and contained the stakes are. Yeah. You know, where it's not... Someone's not going to blow up the world and they're not going to... Your villain is just trying to steal something from some guy's family. Yeah, they're not even going to kill anyone or assassinate anyone or do a terrorism. It's just a sort of family feud over some money. But the amount of damage that is caused upon... Yeah, to, to in a developing nation. Yeah. And, but, and just the amount of emotion that's wound around it. That's all you need. That is all you need. High emotional stakes. It doesn't have to be physical stakes. Um, had it continues to deteriorate on the boat, sets it on fire by accident because he's mad, <laughs> and um, they end up um, sitting on the boat upside down. So this is just sort of reiterating all of Haddock's sort of Troubles. emotional condition and what's at stake for him in the story, that he's a failure and he his failure is inescapable, basically. The seaplane arrives to shoot them. Plane attack! Would have been better if it was being flown by Jack Black. Like Waterworld. Jack Black. Yeah. Is Jack Black in Waterworld? He flies the plane. In Waterworld? In Waterworld. I ain't watched Waterworld in years. Check it out. Featuring a pre-famous Jack Black. Some some of my favorite Jack Blacks are pre-famous Jack Blacks. Yeah. Yeah, he's flying the plane. He's in the ship a little bit later on. I think he's on the plane again. Seaplane comes to shoot them. Tintin still has a gun. It's not clapping between his cheeks anymore. Yeah, you never see him with a holster or anything. He just pulls it out of nowhere. He has that gun. Because he's an animated character. Yeah, maybe he just does it sort of Django style out of his sleeve. Oh, with no sleeves. That's cool. (laughs) Um, Shoots the engine, causes the plane to then land. Hijacks the plane. (laughs) Doesn't kill the pilot's... No. Or, or, or marooned them. Because he's he, a nice guy. Yeah, he takes them with them. <laughs> Puts them in the back, although they definitely died in the desert later. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. But that was their own fault, though. That's their own fault. Yeah, it's not Tintin's fault. They fly into a storm. They have to pour whiskey into the engine. Haddock's already drunk it, so he burps in the engine instead. <laughs> Snowy has a little bit of whiskey. <laughs> Apparently. Because they, they are at a point where there's no gravity in the plane because they're in free fall. <laughs> So he's, um, yeah, and apparently that's a feature of Snowy in the books that he likes alcohol. <laughs> yeah, well. the same kind of whiskey that Haddock does. And they, they crash in the desert. The return in the Daniel Craig filmography of planes crashing in deserts. <laughs> Not that Daniel Craig is in either of the planes or either of the deserts. And uh, we get to have people wearing knotted handkerchiefs on their heads. It's a good aesthetic. Yeah. I never fully understand the value of the knotting. Is it just so it doesn't fall off, I guess? Yeah, the knot, that would just be to keep it on your head. But also, you have hair. Yeah, I guess you're not getting that much out of it, are you? No. Still, it shows that you've made an effort. Yeah, you, know? you look like you belong where you are. Yeah, like when they find your <laughs> like, corpse oh, in a few weeks' in a time. Okay. Yeah, well, he nodded the handkerchief. He did what? He did the most that any of us could have done. <laughs> 
they get rescued by general soldiers. So oh, while they're in the desert, Haddock sort of is detoxing and becomes <laughs> delirious and remembers. Somehow that makes gives him great clarity and it sort of breaks. And he remembers part of the story. Yeah, and it somehow alleviates the sort of thick layers of trauma that have clouded out his clear memories of the past. And he's able to get to see a bitching ship fight where can't quite a la parts of the Caribbean, the At ship's masts intertwangle and they start to spin around. And one oh. ship is a lot taller than the other and I love the crisscross, like the, the angling and doing the seesaw across yeah, it. Yeah, and one just walks up his horizontal mast to the join and like cuts them in half and they swing back. So cool. How much the cannons ricochet back, how much kickback is and on the cannons. And that is used as a thing later on. Yeah, one mm. of them gets hit by it. Ah, oh, and this is... And it's impressive how effective this is, given that these are not the characters of the film. No. These are just two other these dudes. Are just... This isn't the story. <laughs> this is just a flashback. This could have been... They could have put so much less effort into this. Um, but there's Captain Haddock and Red Rackham, who is obviously just Daniel Craig's character with the mask on in the past. Yeah. Surprised they went to the effort of having him wear a handkerchief over his face. Still cool. Still cool. Because Red Rackham a... obviously wore a handkerchief over his face. He's a pirate. Yeah, like a secret, like a high, a highway, a seawayman, <laughs> a highwayman of the seas, of the, of the, of the highwayman of a the high seas. Waterwayman, seaman. Yes, <laughs> I'm a waterway seaman. <laughs> highway, highwayman. You mean a pirate? I'm the essentially. I'm the aquamarine pimpernel. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed that. <laughs> There's a great fight where had had the Scarlet Pimpernel was a good guy. <laughs> yeah, but he he had sort of a a sort of you know a highwayman air to him. He's like that rogue, the swashbuckling rogue. He's a swashbuckling rogue. Yes, yeah. yeah that's all, that, that's all you need. <laughs> One more films about swashbuckling rogues. They don't happen very much. I haven't anymore. had them for a while. We had the seventies and then the nineties and then. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, yeah. is our last swashbuckling rogues. Yeah, probably. Last popular swashbuckling rogues. I'm sure people make them. People just got to figure out a way to make the outfits cool again. Yeah, all find a different zone hats. where you have that outfit being cool. Because like, Pirates was cool, but only because they were so dirty and they looked like actual pirates. Yeah. Whereas any pirates you had before that were hmm. Muppet Treasure Island and... Those sort of things where it's just, oh, yeah, they're dressed mm. as pirates, but they're not really pirates. Yeah. And sometimes when they try to make that era cool, it just comes off silly, like that Three Musketeers movie. Exactly. But you You're could. Like, yeah, I guess. But... You could do it cool. Yeah. And they shall. With Daniel Craig. As Red Rackham. <laughs> nah. I, Daniel Craig needs to, set, he needs to settle into his Oscar-winning territory now. Oh, I feel like he's had his. He has his thriller erotic romps, and he's had his boys' adventures. Now now you reckon he's going to do some dramatic things? I just want, yeah, I want some sort of dramas about you know, about any of your Oscar subjects, which I guess probably means the Holocaust again, but you know, like disabilities or child abuse, or um, the system ruining life for the for the every folk, systemic oppression of some kind. Is there, a is man there, getting lost on an island. Is there anyone related to the Trump administration that he could play? I hope not. 
I don't want him tainted by that. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the, uh, the, like, the trailer for Comey Rule? Uh, yeah, with Brendan Gleeson. How could... He looks so good. Yeah, kind of. I'm kind I'm of... terrified, though. My, my concern with that is it makes Donald Trump seem kind of intimidating. Because it's Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... I he, mean, the stupidity is intimidating. He's mostly just a silly person that <laughs> no one outside of his very immediate circle takes seriously for a moment. So, a lot of people take him seriously... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the. Yeah, like America. The, the, the peep, some of the people. Yeah. Significantly like... less than half of the people. Let's not get into it. <laughs> I probably said it before. Donald Trump movie needs to be played by Owen Wilson. It's perfect. Wow. Why? Because he looks just like Donald Trump. Owen Wilson. I'll. Don't worry, I'm doing it. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Looks nothing like Donald Trump. Oh, you're so wrong, mate. I'm putting my glasses back on for this one, y'all. I'm preparing myself. Owen Wilson is much more attractive than Donald Trump. Dude, come on. I just like Owen Wilson. <laughs> it'd, like be there's, a, there's... it'd be a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what a film about Trump has to be. Has to be an absurdist. Not a terrifying film like an absurdist the going to be. Dark comedy. Written by Armando Iannucci. I want Owen, I want them to start now because I want I want them to do an it could be like at least a trilogy. I want Owen Wilson. I want you to do a movie now, which is about Trump, like in the eighties, oh. and all the terrible shit he did then. So it's like young Trump, and then then the second one when Owen Wilson is aged more, he can do the election and stuff, and then you can do the third one later when Trump, you know, has his has his heart attack or whatever. Which we assume is, hasn't happened yet. So it's like Boyhood, but it's about Trump. And it's just a merciless I, reproduction of all his gross failures and personal flaws. Personally, I'd like to, as soon as he's not in the office anymore, forget that he exists. It would be yeah. better for the world not to know that he is a thing. Yeah, but we need to have an, an, an accounting of what's happened so that we can heal as a have globe. Have you seen the amount of memes? And stop that it happening again. <laughs> Anyway, we are an anti-Trump podcast. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but we are on, but but we are only following in the footsteps of our of our dear leader Daniel Craig, who was a very large donor to the Bernie Sanders campaign. Thanks, Daniel. We are a Bernie Bro podcast. Thanks, Daniel. So we are just trying to further Mr. Craig's political goals. By making by make by in the middle of this Tintin conversation, they are rescued going by, deep on Donald Trump. They are rescued from the desert by soldiers by who just happened to be passing general Moroccan soldiers, and eventually find their way to the fictitious port of Bagar. Bagar in Morocco, they ride some camels. It's lots of fun. Turns out the um, ship is already there. Yeah. Also, end of that flashback is the ship blowing up. So Haddock blows up his own ship because all his crew have been killed rather than let Saccharin get it. Uh-huh. And all the tre- and it's full of treasure and it goes to the bottom of the ocean, but Haddock gets a little bit of it in a hat. Kind of cool. Yeah. Thank God he had that big swashbuckling rogue's hat. That's why they come in handy. In case Always treasure have a big falls hat from the sky. In case, yeah, in case you need to catch anything that's raining upon you. Uh, the Thompsons turn up again because they got his Morse code message. 
And um, so there's this chick, Bianca Castafiore, and she's doing a big concert there at this sort of, um, I don't know, it's kind of like an Arabian Nights themed. So it's like in the middle of the desert, but it's all gardens. And so that's... It's the, I'd say the Sheik's home. Yeah. Is it, is it called a Sheik? I don't think he is, but... I'm not, I'm not sure what the... Uh, yeah, and someone um calls him salad at some point <laughs> just because they're like a shitty and so they so they, she's known as the milanese nightingale without making it explicit they do just through like a few little shots and different things set up the sort of subplot of the town that the that sa- salad has all the water up the top there. Yeah. And there's gardens and waterfalls, but everyone in the town below has has hardly any water at all and is really thirsty and dry, yeah. which does a good job of absolving our heroes of Their the potentially destructive... the destructive things they do yeah. when they destroy the infrastructure of this town later, which <laughs> creates a massive sort of waterfall that's great for our action sequence and also we can assume we then find out like if you if you rewatch and look closely the townspeople are quite happy about it until the dam is drained i guess well (laughs) i don't know i think it's a river though let's say that let's hope hopefully it's a river so it'll so so um so it's a river from a spring a big spring so that tintin and haddock are inadvertently also tearing the system down and helping out the little guy man so good on them um She's she sings, so the ship is there. It's in bulletproof glass. There's no way you can get to that, mate. You can't just take the whole case. That would be ridiculous. Because as we know, this is a world where... It's also outdoors. Yes. This is a world where ships do not move in cases. If a ship moves, it must leave the case it's in. (laughs) That much is established. She sings so high that she smashes all the glass in the world. And... People's glasses, not Daniel Craig's glasses. No. But... I was waiting for that. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's glasses get smashed. Mm. There's a f- there's I like that Omar bin Salad is mm. animated to look like Steven Spielberg. Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really see it's that. It's so great. Mm. I don't know if he'd be like technically cast as him. Yeah. But that's what he looks like. That's what his face looks like. The butler who's meant to be good, it's kind of confusing, steals the scroll from Haddock. And takes off with it. There's a falcon. Saccharin has a falcon. And the falcon's flying around with scrolls as well. Basically, Tintin figures out what's going on as everything smashes. So a little bit too late. And (laughs) Saccharin and the butler take off with their falcon and with some of the scrolls. And the goodies chase them out. And so just all really good visuals. They're on like a bright red jeep. And our guys, they start out in a... Do they start out in a... a, car they're on kind. a motorbike with a sidecar they start off in the sidecar yep. yeah so motorbike and sidecar and that's when haddock tries to fire a bazooka at them and in, and fires it backwards and blows up the dam <laughs> funny and then we get this really great long tracking shot which i am always a fan of the action sequence care. that follows is over the top amazing like it's fantastic yeah it's like a mission impossible it's sequence, exactly really. like a Mission Impossible sequence. Yeah. Where paper is very, very strong for some reason, and a bird doesn't choose mm. to fly up. Well, no. Well, well, it's trying to home in on saccharin. Yeah. That's what you could say. And yeah, so this goes for about two or three minutes as they're kind of like sort of 
feels kind of like Super Mario or something like that kind of world where you'd work your way up and down this this sort of fort town mm. and they follow the water down sort of going towards the port and the scrolls go back and forth this is the most like the polo express it becomes where there's just these long impossible tracking shots rolling around but because it, it's i think they just thought okay we're going to do this once we're going to give ourselves one this is crazy, one take, ridiculous <laughs> one take shot and then and then we will stop but it's amazing my favorite part is when tintin they think they've got it and tintin bursts in to grab it on the bike but he's obviously smashed through like a two tons of turmeric or something yeah. and the orange powder goes everywhere <laughs> there's just so much that's infusing this like it's making a really visually rich experience all the time and you would do that powder explosion in a live action film yeah you could or but i think if you're in a live action film that's the kind of thing where you're like oh that's just so much effort let's just you know what the day's long enough let's just have him reappear <laughs> you know I'm going through the cast at the moment. There are so many people in this. Toby Jones is in this movie. Oh, yeah. He Who voices he? the silk guy. Oh, The God. pickpocket. That's so, Toby Jones returning. So we've got the return of Toby Jones to the Daniel Craig Carrie Elwes is the voice of one of the pilots. Just for shits and gigs. Oh, yeah, That's that Robin guy. Hood. That's Robin Hood right there. <laughs> yeah, I remember I saw him on the making of. I was like, what's that guy doing in that That's role? That's so cool. Yeah. Gad uh, El Malet uh, as Salad, which is pretty cool. He's a French stand-up comedian who's nice. kind of credited with bringing Seinfeld's style of comedy to France. Okay. Because they didn't really do it there. <laughs> so he's the Seinfeld of France. <laughs> and, yeah, I think Toby Jones is the only return. Although Daniel Craig and Andy Serkis did act on the stage together back we in haven't. the early 90s, something we will probably not be able to review. Oh, mm. if anyone has footage of Daniel, St- Daniel Stage and a Craig, that'd be amazing. You guys know what I meant. Just rearrange those words. But at the end, Tintin is able to put all the scrolls together, see the coordinates for where the treasure is, but then the baddies take them all. Um, because he has to let them go, otherwise he's going to drown Haddock and Snowy. And Haddock's like, nobody takes my ship. And like, he's already taken it. Nobody takes my ship twice. And now, great character moment, Tintin gives up, but Haddock talks him into carrying on with the adventure. Because he he knows about failure, because he's failed a lot. The thing you got to yeah. learn about failure is you can't let it defeat you. <laughs> See, this is the kind of thing that someone like Stephen Moffat just does, can just do in a heartbeat because he just, this is the kind of, this is the kind of good, like just basic storytelling that gets cranked out in Doctor Who week by week, yep. or at least used to. And <laughs> so each of those little 50 minute things are as satisfying as what might be a much longer movie because they just put enough of these fundamental beats into it. And so and so Tintin's like, all right, I'll keep going. And they figure out that he knows the radio frequency of the ship. So he gives that to Thompson and Thompson. They track the ship back to, I guess, is it is it Belgium he's living in? My brain made it Paris, but that's just because my brain made normal. it London. My yeah. brain makes them return to London because everyone's making British accents and Scottish accents. Yeah. It doesn't look particularly like London. It looks like the dock. Yeah. Whatever. They make real, it back to where sense. they started. Yeah, it's not very clear, is it? And then um, 
we have a crane fight, which I haven't seen before. They sword fight with cranes. And so a fun sort of parallel of the ship's masts clashing in the flashback. We have modern day Haddock and Saccharin clashing these cranes together and demolishing an entire port. Oh, yes. Like, he's just one man just climb up the stairs into his crane (laughs) and just chloroform him or something. The cranes are moving because they're on rails at a port, obviously. But also, they move... And I think this this is, for me, one of the more unrealistic parts of the film. Not that they're sword fighting with cranes, but the speed at which the cranes move. Yeah, it's like the cranes were made for this. <laughs> it's just back and forth and back and swing and back and forth and stab. Yeah. There are stabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it just becomes like big robot wars for it a minute. It literally fences. They fence each other. <laughs> yeah, and then they fence in real life. So then they jump down and Takuin has his cane stick sword. His rapier his from rapier. a cane. And, and Haddock just has rapier. a lever. Yeah, and uh, you'll never guess he wins. Um, the Thompsons get Saccharin. Captured him. And the son, oh, that's one of my favorite parts about this whole scene, is during the crane fight and the sword fight, the sun is slowly rising in the background. So when mm-hmm. the Thompsons arrest Saccharin, the suns come up over mm-hmm. the horizon and the lighting changes yeah. to allow Tintin and Haddock to use the three pieces of paper and find their coordinates. So effortless. It's Even just... though the original poem did say noonday sun, but <laughs> gotcha film. Gotcha. <laughs> Mistake. Yeah, so that's great. The coordinates take them back to Marlin Spike Hall. And so they what? don't find where the... What? The same place. <gasps> How annoyed would you be if you'd just done all this... And it was just in a globe in the corner of the room you're at right at the start. Like well, you nearly in a, in a secret off, it's walled off basement room. You nearly died like twenty times. You destroyed a town. Yeah. You destroyed destroyed a port. And if we could all have just been more chill about this, anyway. And yeah, and it just so the so they don't find all the treasure. It's just the treasure old mate caught in his hat. But Tintin finds another clue at the bottom of oh. the hat. I, mean, I think if at that point, if they were like, are we going to go get it? I'm like, no, nah, let's just... No, I like that that's the way that like they finish it and he only finds this I might just amount. cover some local stories for a bit. <laughs> for a second, I was worried that they'd found the room, they found the hat, and for some reason the wall was going to open and reveal all the treasure being there. <laughs> I was worried that they'd do that because how would he get the treasure back? That means the ship did not explode. Aliens. Aliens would have sucked Tintin up all the gold. versus alien. Yes. No. And they're like, shall we go get it? Well, I guess. And then music and then credits. And then that's your good way to set up that these guys go on adventures together. Yeah. In 2023, it would seem. Great film. Great film. Just an all-round great film. And I'm glad we got to watch something that was great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very sort of, uh, yeah, like childishly satisfying. Yeah, nostalgically satisfying. Yeah, it feels homely. Yeah, it's all just all. Everyone's looks like everyone has a silhouette. You know, Tintin works as a silhouette. You know, you know who you're looking at, and yeah, it's all those 
fun things you imagine as a child you'd use to solve mysteries. It's like good pens and notebooks and you have a little dog and a cool little gun and like the gleaming paint on everything and everything sort of juicy and chunky. It's great. Indeed. And yeah, I don't really have a take on it. Except that I... Th- it's sort of it, it is it's disarmingly simple and basic in some ways but it, narratively it's, i think it's in the terms story of itself is also quite convoluted in the amount of clues that he has to go by the journey they yeah. take is literally just a back and forth yeah it's a fury road yeah it is kind of yeah i think you know there's not many things i think you would improve i have the, i want the pickpocketer to pickpocket someone in a way that helps the goodies okay and as always, like it's it, it is very MacGuffin heavy. It's just about all right, but because they go to the whole point of reading you that poem and stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that is always best if it's possible for the audience to piece it together before the heroes do. But you don't. So when they go, oh, this is what it is, it sort of scratches that part of your brain. You go, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what's great about the end of you know the Harry Potter books, even if they are you know, often sort of thematically vacant, the just the satisfaction of seeing all the pieces line up, you know. And maybe that, you know, this is putting too much on what this film is trying to be where... I think for the sequel. It's just about... Because a lot, a, a lot of the the joy of this is just watching the plane fight and the plane mm-hmm. crash and... Yeah, the car chase and the spectacle like of it, and the fact that it never it never stops. Mm. It is a very full on film, and chase after chase after chase after action sequence. Yeah, but all of which moves the plot. Yeah, you know they're not tacked. Unlike on. Quantum of Solace. Thanks, Quantum of Solace. So all yeah, it's all. Thanks, Quantum of Solace. Where do you want Good to rank film. it, man? All right, well. As people listening may or may not know, we don't score Daniel Craig's films and TV shows individually. We are creating an overall ranking of all Daniel Craig's films and television programs from best to worst. This is the 40th thing to go in the ranking. <laughs> Big 4-0. So it's top half, isn't it? Definitely top half. We're above Golden Compass. Are we above Defiance? Yes. Yeah, I think so. We're above Elizabeth. Yeah. Yes, we're above Fateless. Feels weird. <laughs> I think I think this is a better film. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah. I, I mean, in some I ways, like Hungarian. obviously not. Yeah. But in other way, yeah. Uh, the jacket. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, I'm happy to say yes as well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because the jacket is confused and muddled, and this is just. That's exactly what it's doing. The Power of One? Yep. The Trench? You know what? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Some Voices. That's up to you, man. I think we've reached a point where Some Voices is pretty great. It's great, great Craig. I think I I would prefer this to be above Some Voices. Above Some Voices is Layer Cake. I don't think it's better than Layer Cake. Okay, so you're below Layer Cake, below Quantum of Solace. Below enduring love, below road to petition. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not sure it is. I'm happy to be below quantum of solace. Okay. I mean, again, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> but for us, for me, it's below quantum of solace. 
Some voices it's impossible to compare it to. I think it weirdly feels better than Layer Cake somehow. It's fun. Because, yeah, Layer it's Cake so is somehow fun. kind of joyless. Yeah, it There's is. There's a joylessness to Layer Cake that I think holds it back. Because mm. it's trying to stay away from being lock stock so much and it takes itself quite seriously. I think put it above Layer Whereas Cake. Whereas this is, yeah, yeah, but below Quantum. Just below Quantum. This is number seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Good work, Stephen. While you're putting that in, I'll show you. The Adventures of Tintin, number seven. I'm being shown a picture of... Salad does look like Steven Spielberg, doesn't he? And it makes me happy. Look at our Instagram. Maybe I will post that. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, If you would like... If you've been enjoying the podcast... I didn't say any of this up top. Maybe I can say it now and I can splice it in. Okay. Ready? If you've been enjoying the podcast and you want to stay up to date, you can follow us on Twitter at ExceptionalPod or on Instagram at ExceptionalThieves or send us an email at ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com. If you are listening to us on iTunes, also drop us, give us, hit us with some of them stars and write us a review that's sort of wantonly complimentary, but compliment us on things that obviously like wouldn't no come out knowing. in the podcast. You know, let's say that we look great or that... Um, Sam's cologne smells really great. How organized we are in our home life is quite impressive. Something like that. And if you would like some of our bonus episodes, because we are releasing almost weekly bonus episodes to cover all of Daniel Craig's television work and <laughs> lead up to No Time to Die, some of which is very good, you can head over to uh, patreon.com forward slash exceptional thieves and get i think we've got i think we've got 11 bonus episodes up there at the moment and there's going to be more yeah i think there's like four or five more to go okay no this is fun (laughs) this is fun we're enjoying this um where are you gonna slice that in don't cut it out of the end keep it here but also slice it it in at a point that doesn't make sense earlier no no i've i've put it in before and it is fucking seamless you'd have no idea nice yeah one one time, and because we we chat for a little while, and then I had to I splice that in, but then we start talking about the movie out of nowhere. So I actually take you saying the name of the movie from earlier in the recording and just repeat it. <laughs> so you say whatever Quantum of Solace, like the exact same way twice, but I think it's just enough minutes away that no one will notice. See, this is the kind of thing work I wouldn't have to do if we had even a modicum of organization. All right. That's enough for now, isn't it? It's perfectly enough. Thank you to Ryan Sim for our artwork and to Mild Wild for the music. We will see you very soon. What are we talking about next? The next movie should be... Dragon Tattoo. Ah, Civil One. Yes. Yay! We'll be back in the world of Stieg Larsen. Just where we never wanted to leave. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.